Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Penn Live Penn State Blitz podcast returns for another week of talk about the Nittany Lions. I'm Greg Pickle. Bob Flounders is off. So Joe Herman, our ace photographer, longtime member of the Penn State beat, will join us. We'll talk about the optimism growing for not just a college football season, but an on-time college football season. Before getting into some recruiting news and notes, Matthias Barnwell is the youngest player to ever commit to Penn State. We'll talk about him. We'll get into some tales from the sideline as Joe tells you what it's like to be on field level for some of the biggest moments in Penn State history. And finally, we'll close this week's show with the listener mailbag. All right, Joe Hermit, welcome to the Penn Live Penn State Blitz video and podcast. This is not your first rodeo. You joined me one time last year when Bob was off, but how are things going and how excited are you for sports to return and football, especially to be back in the fall? Greg, I am dying for football. It is uh, been a long, strange trip indeed. By the way, live in the hermit bunker here in the uh, in the basement because that was the only quiet room I could find. Man, yeah, I'm, I'm counting down the days. I'm sure, as we all are. So let's set the scene for what a return will look like. As we record this on Wednesday morning, June 10th it is, uh, there are 75 Penn State football players quarantining back in State College, preparing to work out starting next week. Next Monday, they will work out. The same day, President Eric Barron is supposed to deliver an address of some sort regarding what fall semester classes will look like and maybe even the return of students for the second summer semester, which starts on July 1. So things are moving in the right direction here. We don't know which Penn State players are on campus. We don't know if any of them have been tested for the coronavirus yet, if any of them have tested positive, Penn State has not yet released any information on that, and they may not until next week. But Joe, I got to think from all of our perspectives as football fans and observers of this Penn State program, the fact that they are back on campus, at least in some capacity, offers more hope for a season and an on-time season than I think any of us had, even maybe just a couple of weeks ago. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. It's definitely a step in the right direction. I mean, you saw some other schools like down south already getting in, like Alabama, uh, although they had a couple of issues last week, I guess. But there will be bumps in the road, I'm sure. But the fact that they have the majority of the squad on campus now, I mean, it's certainly a good sign, hopefully a, a step in the right direction. Yeah. And let's keep in mind, too, that like we saw with the number of schools and the ones that come immediately to mind, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Alabama, if and when Penn State releases its data in regards to testing players and staff coming back to campus, there will be some to test positive. The numbers almost guarantee it. It's not something to freak out over. Penn State, I'm sure, had to submit a plan that was approved by (laughs) any number of uh, legislative and bureaucratic uh, departments to even begin bringing uh, players back in small numbers, or in this case, uh, 75. We don't know why they pick 75, but a part of that plan is what to do when somebody tests positive. And and keep in mind as well that 
these workout groups, when they start working out next week, are going to be kept to probably five or ten guys at most, with the reason being that if someone does uh, contract the coronavirus in that group, they can then quarantine just those ten guys and not all 75. So we'll see how things play out. Obviously, we don't know if uh, a gallery like Joe's faces in the crowd will be possible this year. We don't know if Beaver Stadium can have 10% of capacity, 25% of capacity, 50% of capacity. I mean, 100% capacity seems very unlikely at this point in time, but who knows? Like we said, earlier in May, we weren't even sure how optimistic getting back to campus by this time, uh, you know, how possible that would be. And yet here we are uh, about midway through June with a number of schools across the country on campus, some schools waiting until July. But things are certainly moving in the direction, Joe, that, that everybody would like them to. Of course, health and safety comes first. You know, a football season is something I think a lot of America is looking forward to, and the NFL looks to be on track, and now college football does too. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, all the things that we've gone through, you know, with the, the basketball season and the hockey season and baseball never even getting started, I just can't imagine this country without football in the fall at, at some level anyway, you know. It certainly would be a refreshing change, even, even if it were, you know, it'd be interesting to see how it's going to look. Because, you know, we've been to blue-white stadiums that are maybe 25 or 50% full, and it is a really different feeling. Some football is better than no football, right? Yeah, amen to that. Yeah, some places are that full, not for health and safety reasons, but because it's actually bad for your health to watch some of those teams. So I know exactly what you're getting at there, Joe. And what a lot of people don't know is that Joe is the best backseat broadcaster of Phillies baseball on the planet. And so he's still holding out hope for baseball. I'm sure many of you are as well. Doesn't look terribly encouraging. Guess we'll see how that all plays out. Moving on to second down. Joe, you had a a couple of photos of him actually from the sideline. The youngest player, as far as I know, to ever commit to Penn State, Matthias Barnwell. He's a class of 2023 tight end. He plays in Spotsylvania, Virginia. He's already 6'3", 230 pounds, if my memory serves me right. I mean, he's a big kid. Uh, your photos show as much. If you haven't seen those, you can see him at PennLive.com slash Penn State football. But he picks Penn State two years at least before he can sign a national letter of intent. I can't ever remember a 15-year-old committing to Penn State. Maybe it's happened, but I, I don't think it has. They only, they're not even on the board yet for the class of 2022. Joe. Can you take the listeners into the pregame festivities at Beaver Stadium and what you see when the recruits like Matthias Barnwell get to interact with James Franklin either at midfield or on the sideline before kickoff during warmups? I think a lot of fans don't realize that there's like a whole orchestrated event going on with recruits at games. The games are the showpieces for the university. I mean, they, you know, I mean, they could recruit these kids all they want, but until they get them on campus and get them into a, in the environment, you know, there's no way to really sell the experience. And Penn State certainly has a lot to sell there. So these kids, they bring these kids in. It's very orchestrated. It's very well planned out. They bring them, I have a spot for them outside where they bring them out, you know, before the buses arrive and they, they plant them like right on the side there, right near the entrance to the building. The team walks by, the band walks by, James comes up, shake hands with all of them, greets them all, you know, and then um, they bring them back out during pregame and uh, your your bigger recruits that are on hand, they'll actually, during pregame, James will be out at around the 50-yard line and they'll walk them out one by one or, you know, maybe groups of like two or three. And they'll walk out 
and uh, James greets them, gives them a hug, talks to them. You know, oftentimes uh, they'll take a selfie, you know, with James at, at midfield and, you know, it really sells the experience, I think. You know, it really, they, Penn State really, I mean, they've got such a great product to sell and, you know, they really do a good job of doing that, you know, taking, taking advantage of, of everything that they've got to show off. You know, and then after that, they bring them back down, line them up like right near the tunnel. And the team actually, you know, comes out of the tunnel and runs right by them, the band and the pageantry and everything. You know, it, it's such a huge selling point for a kid, I think. And then, you know, after, after the team comes on the field, you know, they're escorted up into the stands where they sit pretty much right behind the bench with their families and, and get to watch the game. Yeah, I, I'm curious as to how. <laughs> Empty stadiums, how we talked about earlier, will affect recruiting because if there are no fans in the stands or if they're only third full or whatever, it certainly affects the environment. It will nearly be the same as like a sold out whiteout crowd, for instance. No, and I think that you'll have to pare it down. And I think a lot of kids will still leave visit saying, you know, even though the crowd that was there was great, you know, we don't hear too many kids have negative experiences on game day visits because they're geared to being perfect. And I think that even with a lower capacity crowd, you'll still get a lot of kids impressed by what they see at Penn State and other places. I wonder how many recruits Penn State will even be able to host during this season. I mean, if the stadium is at 25 or 30 percent of capacity, it's going to have to include your recruiting crowd. So it's going to be very interesting. And as you mentioned, Joe, they sit in the stands right behind the Penn State bench. So Whatever kind of social distancing is done in the stadium, assuming there's any fans, and of course, no fans, there's no recruiting. It's going to be fascinating to see how they figure that out, because I believe you're going to find a lot of situations where there are more kids that want to come to games than can come to games. So it'll lead to some hurt feelings. You're right. That uh, sort of pregame ceremony, I guess you could call it, or uh, interaction with James, even that's going to change. I mean, I don't think by the fall... We're going to see uh, high school kids walk out and shake Coach Franklin's hand and then give him a hug. And you have so many pictures of kids doing just that. And I don't think that's going to be uh, something that's desirable or acceptable or uh, safe to do in the fall. We'll see how that changes things as well. But uh, just one other quick recruiting note, Caden Prather, a receiver out of Maryland, four-star, picked West Virginia, shockingly uh, to a lot of people. Jarrett Parker, the former Penn State receivers coach, reels him in there as the offensive coordinator. Lions got some work to do now on the recruiting trail at receiver. They have Lonnie White Jr. They have Liam Clifford. Both could be receivers at the next level. But they were expected to have a couple four-stars in this group. Dante Thornton leaves them out of his top six. Prather picks West Virginia and maybe some Florida guys as options. But Taylor Stubblefield certainly has his work cut out for him more than we even expected that he would. And part of it's not his fault. He couldn't bring guys on campus for these big visits. And because of that, I think they went to places that they felt more comfortable with the coach that they probably met in person before. And a lot of these guys didn't have a chance to meet Taylor Stubblefield in person yet or sit down with Kirk Sharaka and learn about his offense. So tough beat there. There's been some ups and downs on the recruiting trail of late. A lot of time left, obviously, before the first signing day in December. All right, this is the Penn Live Penn State Football Blitz. You can find the audio version, the podcast version, wherever you get your audio, uh, Spotify, Google, Apple. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Leave us some feedback. Joe is uh, saying that his background doesn't look the best. So if you're watching the video, youtube.com slash all Penn State, subscribe there, lead some feedback. 
and let Joe know what you think of his backdrop as he sits in for Bob Flounders this week. Moving on to third down, Joe Hermit, we're going to put you on the spot. Tell me what it was like to photograph Allen Robinson's iconic catch down the sideline, and tell me what it was like to photograph Saquon Barkley's multiple leaping moments over his Penn State career. Been on the beat for 20 years now. It's been my 21st season. You're talking about two of the best guys, fun to photograph guys that have been, and there have been a lot of great players that have come through, but you you're definitely talking about the best running back and arguably the best wide receiver. There are moments in time that you remember in a season, and I felt that the whiteout game against Michigan and Penn State being down and, and you know trying to come back, and that play, that play just kind of like, it was just almost like this. To me, it was like the signature play of the season that year. I mean, it. it I know it didn't win the game. It didn't even score a touchdown, but it was – it was such it was such a, a stunning play, a such stunning factor in that game, you know, with uh, you know Christian Hackenberg just getting back and, and dropping back and just letting that ball fly, and, and Allen Robinson just making an incredible catch. And it's one of my favorite photos, and, and not not just because of the action of the photo, but I mean the, the fact that you can see the crowd, like everybody in the background, people on the sidelines, people in the crowd, everybody just looking up at. Is he going to make this play? Oh my God, he's going. Is he going to catch this ball? Uh-huh. And I just remember that the, the stadium just erupting. You know, I mean, as you know, Greg, you've been to a lot of whiteouts, and it's an incredible experience. But when something like that happens in a whiteout, I think of the Tom Bahali sack against Ohio State. There are a few moments that stick out that are even that make those moments even bigger, and that certainly was one of them. No question about it. How do you get the shots that you do, Joe? What's one or two of the keys? Uh, you know, we see you right down the sideline. Uh, obviously, sometimes Jordan Stout kicks kickoffs at you and you try and catch them. Just give us a little bit of an insight into the last 20 years of photography, what that's been like to be on the sideline and how you get the shots you do. It's a lot of luck. It helps to be a big fan of the game, which I am. You know, I've always been a huge football fan. Uh, I love college football. You know, it helps. To, it helps to 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 know the team and the players and the tendencies. I mean, when you're there day in and day out, you kind of get a feel as to what what the team's going to do. How, I, I mean, naturally, there are times that you know you, you guess wrong, but you know, there's certain strategies I always use while shooting. Like I always have Penn State coming at me, whether it's offensively or defensively. So when a play is made, you know, the photo I'm taking is of Penn State players coming toward me or catching the ball, or you know. You have them coming at you at all times. Why? Yeah, I mean, the strategy is to always have Penn State coming at me because I am covering Penn State. Our readers and our and are interested in Penn State. You know, when the big plays happen, you want you want the team to you know the players the team to be coming at you. I mean that that's just a little trick that I've that I've learned over the years. You know, as far as like um, you know you get to, you get to know little tendencies here and there. Like I usually shoot from the corners. You know. When the team's on defense, if the opposing team has a right-handed quarterback, I, I try to go on his the side uh, that he's facing in case he gets his hit from the back and there's a strip sack or a fumble or something like that. So there, there are little things that come into play. 
Yeah, Joe, that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, um, to get the shots that you do, there's skill involved as well. Also, you know, some luck, I get that too. But you have a lot of iconic photos over the years. So let's just jump into the mailbag here quickly to wrap things up. Tell us the one shot you have take. You know, you have off the field that you like the most, whether it's uh, Coach Franklin with his daughters, whether it's the blue band, whether it's the team arrival. Give us one off field moment that's memorable and why. Wow, that is a tough question. Um, I would probably have to say off action, non action photo. My favorite, probably non action photo, would be after the. Uh, the Ohio State game in 2016, um, when when Penn State the improbable win over Ohio State, you know the bedlam and the players are celebrating and and you know I'm shooting Coach Franklin, I'm shooting players, and then I notice that fans are starting to stream onto the field, and so I start to run toward the student section, and all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye I see I see John Reed in the and I see this girl run and leap into his arms and. He catches her. He's holding his helmet with one hand. He's holding her with the other hand. She's in his arms. They're kissing. In the background, there's all these fans streaming out onto the field. And it was just such a, to me, it was a real like, iconic photo. It, you know, it just kind of the joy, the celebration, the reaction. It, it kind of summed up the whole day to me in, in one photo. And, and a, a cool story, too. A couple of years later, I, Young woman comes up to me and says, "Are you Joe Hermit?" She said, "I'm John Reed's girlfriend. I'm the one that was in that photograph." And she goes, "I just want to tell you how much I love that photo. I've got it framed on my wall. I'm going to treasure that forever. It was a great moment." And and uh, so that was really cool to hear. You know, it was like uh, to know that you you take a photo like that that affects someone's life like that. It, it, it's pretty cool. Yes, there's no question about it. All right, Joe, last question for you on the hot seat, and we'll wrap up this week's edition of the Penn Live Penn State Blitz podcast and video. I believe you live on the West Shore, Cumberland County, maybe, which means you go green this Friday in Pennsylvania's reopening plan. What's the first green phase activity you'll take part in this weekend, Joe? Uh, I'll be going down to Hops and Barley's, Greg, which is right down go. my house, and, uh, you know, Maybe I think they have a little outdoor seating still and uh, open now. And uh, I will enjoy a little dinner, some beverages uh, and uh, kick back and have a you know nice little Friday happy hour. There you go. Well, I think you have certainly earned it. And thank you all for listening to this week's edition. We will be back next week. I think we'll have a special guest again. It won't be Joe. It'll be somebody else. But until then, enjoy the rest of the week and have a good weekend.